Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. Uh, and we are here for another special uh, episode of Welcome to Horror um, because we are going completely off piste this week and doing something entirely different that we've not done before. Um, How adventurous are we? I know. Extremely. Um, so, so thank you very much to Claire for having this fantastic idea. Mm. Uh, I think we're all really looking, looking forward to this. So um, yeah. Uh, so before we uh, crack into something new, um, Chris, what have you been watching? I've been watching something excellent. Oh. It is the the Key and Peel shorts on YouTube, which yeah. oh, I'd I'd seen the Gremlins one, uh, Grem- or Gremlins two one, yeah. uh, that Adam recommended. And then I don't know how I came across them again exactly, but it's like, yep, okay, Key and Peel, right? Adam's mentioned that lots. Okay, I'm going to check it out. And it was the dubstep one. Oh yes, I don't think and oh yeah, well you should definitely watch it then because oh, I don't know, I don't know if they're, I mean they're possibly slagging off dubstep completely. I, I couldn't actually tell because they did such a good job of you know <laughs> playing some dubstep and kind of looking like they're having a lot of fun to it while it's also doing them some serious uh, bodily damage yeah <laughs> uh, like def- definitely worth checking that and then i also watched the invitation which was a humorous little bit now at this point uh, shelly walked around and could see my screen and uh she i wasn't sure how bad they were going to get so i did have to pause at that point because um, <laughs> because they're, they're obviously you know, they're meant to be funny, but to her, they still just look like horror. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, in that one, someone turns into a vampire. And, uh, but again, yeah, funny, well done, straight to the point. Yeah. yeah. So I highly recommend those, and I will be checking out some more. And under the smart, the, it's, a, it's an example of how smart they were, though, because mm. they were originally done for Paramount, like Paramount Comedy Channel. Okay. And part of their contract was but we'll keep the online rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, yeah, so every time get it's on to... YouTube, they're getting mm. the money, not, not Paramount. <laughs> Very um, good. I, I know um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker basically did the same with uh, South Park. <laughs> Back on yeah. the South Park train at the moment, season oh, 13 yeah. we're on at the moment. Oh, I've got a little South Park reference this episode. Oh, excellent. I, I've not seen it for a while, but this came to mind. While I was thinking about my worst things, <laughs> and it's not South Park that's the worst thing, but they do was highlight it... a lot of terrible things in the world. Yes. Was it when Scott Bayo gave you pink eye? <laughs> are, are you going that far back? I don't know. <laughs> Chris, no, I'm oh, trying um, to think. We should also uh, mention uh, apologies in advance. Um, I can see my screen keep lighting up, and I can hear it from Adam's side as well. I think. Um, we are recording on the 7th of November currently. So this is the first Saturday after bonfire night here in the UK. So there are fireworks going off everywhere. So if you hear lots of pops and bangs and sputters in the background, um, we're not recording this round the corner from a gunfight. It is just fireworks going off everywhere this evening and probably will be all night. So uh, mm. apologies in advance for that. And I'd like to thank Lee for their covering for my relentless flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> with his pseudo explanation <laughs> um adam what have you been yes. watching uh well 
um, a few things inspired by you. Uh, I've I watched the second episode of Lovecraft Country. Oh yeah, um, still pretty good. Um, I I mean, obviously, with something like this, it's a uh, you know, there's there's a lot of mutability, shall we say, in people living and dying, mm. in, as there is in anything sort of supernatural or fantasy or whatever. And um, but I think uh, in the second episode they may have killed my favourite character from the book. Oh no, really? Yeah. So <laughs> I won't go any further than that. But yeah, when you watch it, you'd, you'd know who I meant. And um, uh, the one thing I was going to say is that because um, I know from your point of view, Lee, I know it's something you didn't like. You don't like Tarantino doing in his historical stuff. Um, like Django and uh, Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. uh, I have noticed they do put a lot of. Um, it has a really, it's got a good soundtrack, but yeah. it's not all. It's some of it's anachronistic. Oh yeah. So you do get like songs from like there's like Gil Scott Heron and Marilyn Manson and sort of you know basically stuff that's come from before the time, uh, from yeah. after the time. Sorry. Yeah. That it's setting, and I know that sometimes you find that a bit of a distraction. I do, but you know what? Like if they did it in uh, what was the film with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, uh, Great Gatsby. Uh-huh. They did it in that where it was obviously in the nineteen twenties, and it was a contemporary song done in that style, and I really liked it. I thought it worked. Um, so yeah, so it, sometimes it works. Sometimes I think it's just one of those things because I don't like Tarantino. I'm like lazy prick. If somebody it's... else does it, I go, oh, that's rather stylish. I quite like that. So, yeah. I, I know what you mean. It's 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 like, you know, it could be... There's a lot of people where that happens. It's like, oh, they've released that single where it's fucking vomit. <laughs> Anyone else? And you'd have been like, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, I've also watched the first three episodes now of Truth Seekers. Yep. The new... Um, uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Well, Nick Frost, mainly Simon Pegg cameo, yeah. Um, thing on Amazon, and you've you've been watching it as well, haven't you, Lee? I have completed it. Oh, right. completed, okay. Yeah, completed it. I watched half in one day and half the next day. So literally, yeah, uh, yeah. We made a weekend of it and killed it off. So worth sticking with, then. I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Because um, I've quite enjoyed it. You know, I've enjoyed it so far. Definitely. Yeah, it is good, and I like the overall arcing story. And yeah, it, it's got a lot of twists and turns. So I know the first three or four episodes are fairly linear, and then it all starts mm. kind of breaking apart on itself, but in, like in a clever way. I don't mean like it oh, all just falls to shit. I mean like yeah, all of a sudden every people who you think you know who they are, you suddenly don't know, and oh cool, um, and it carries out right through to the last episode. So yeah, really yeah. enjoy it. And Malcolm McDowell's great in it. Yes, um, as as would be normal. Um, <laughs> I did like I did like when they went to the horror themed hotel, and he was Kevin Eldon's showing them through, and it's, it's right. That's room two three seven. That's a twin, <laughs> and that's Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I think Nick Nick Frost's just fucking great. Mm. Yeah, I think it is, and it's. I, I think it's 
it's good because we didn't hear anything from him for a while. Obviously, when Simon Pegg went off and did other stuff, and they weren't collaborating so much. So um, what like what did happen there? Because you sort of mentioned a little bit about Simon Pegg not being quite as great as he used to be. Oh, no, I think it was just he's he's doing he's very much now denying, or seems to have been gone into a, a tailspin of denial about his geekdom, uh, and sort oh, really? of trying to distance yeah. himself, sort of like saying, "Oh, come on, I'm not I'm." I'm I'm not just that obsessed with Star Wars, and it's like, yeah, mm. but fuck me, spaced argues otherwise, mate. Well, yeah, yeah. Is, isn't and that sort of like things. very, very meta, and uh, you know, because it was didn't he complain about um, George Lucas having gone off to the dark side? Well, yeah, because that was because it was absolutely at the point of like the prequels, yeah, Phantom Menace particularly, yeah, and that was basically the drive. That was like the one of the main plot threads Lots of the series. Of, yeah, that's right. Was just how he connected over people with not liking the Phantom Menace. The kid mm. wanted a Jar Jar doll. Kids <laughs> like Jar Jar. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't that that was Bill Bailey? Yeah. 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 I mean, what about the Ewoks? They were rubbish. Yeah, but compared to Jar Jar, <laughs> the Ewoks are like fucking Shaft. <laughs> and yeah, and but now I think it, it might classic. be that. You know, it's it's Hollywood where it's like, come on, we're all we're all normal, but not in the way that normal people are normal. If you see what mm. I mean, but you have to sort of, you know, no, you you're cool now. So you know, don't you? And the best thing was is I did like I say, I, I'm sure it was. It might have been the same interview. I'm not entirely sure. Um, where he was sort of talking about it, and it was promoting his autobiography. Which mm. I think is called Geek Made Good. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, and it's mm. like, but so you've called it Geek Made Good, and you've just sat there just going, "Well, I'm not, you know, it's not the most important thing, is it? Yeah, I know, I'm mm. not not that much obsessed with Star Wars, you, you know. Mm. I saw boxes being burnt that had ROTJ scrawled on them in marker pen. Yeah, and. That's just a. There's only a certain thing where that really resonates. Mm. A, cer- a certain sort of generation or so. <laughs> Excellent. Um. So. Oh, sorry. Oh. And I did watch. Uh, I watched a documentary that I recorded off the BBC years and years ago, and I was reminded. Because uh, someone was talking about it on Instagram, and uh, yeah, I watched uh, the American Nightmare, which is a nice little it's a nice little documentary. And basically, it's nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy eight, with horror reflecting American sort of political turmoil and civil unrest and stuff like okay. that. Um, which, if anything, does argue that there's going to be some fucking amazing horror films. <laughs> uh, next year hopefully um but the but yeah so it's like it goes from night of the living dead to halloween nice and it's sort of yeah just so you've got but it's got all the big names in there and, and um like john landis is a talking head but obviously you've got george romero toby hooper dave Cronenberg talking about shivers uh wes craven talking about last house on the left and it's sort of but it was just yeah it was it was a bit of a nostalgia trip for me as well because, like I say, I had it on video and watched it relentlessly for years uh, with a soundtrack by Godspeed You Black Emperor. Ooh. 
which I remember when me and Dean first watched it and him just getting massively excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, that that reminds me, a big shout out, a shout out I've heard from a uh, long-time listener, Joe Watson. Mm-hmm. Who's, oh, yes. I, I think he's, he's basically just uh, finally sorted out his Instagram credentials, mm-hmm. like he's found his password. And he messaged me just to say, you know, hello and still enjoying the show and everything. But also he posted about Neutral Milk Hotel. And again, former guest Dr. Dean has, uh, that is like an obsession of his or was. (laughs) And similarly, yeah, when when I was watching this with Godspeed You Black Emperor, I remember him getting so excited when he realised that's what the soundtrack was. (laughs) And... um, yeah, and it's, it's it's a good documentary. It's well worth checking out. And also it's quite nice because it's from a time, I think it, it's um, I think it's 2000. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made me slightly upset when I realised it's actually fucking 20 years old. But it does mean that everyone, everyone who's involved is there, you know, is still there. Because obviously we've lost Wes Craven, we've lost uh, George Romero, and it's sort of like you know, it's it's nice that everyone's still there, you know, actually able to give their insight within the documentary and everything. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, Tom Savini's on there, and he's fantastic, oh, yeah. and he talks about because Tom Savini was in, uh, he was meant to do the makeup for Night of the Living Dead, uh, but he was in Vietnam, so he couldn't really do it at the time. Um, but he Fair was enough. a he was a photographer, like a a war photographer. Yeah. And he kind of said that he used that as a distancing mechanism, but also in a weird way research because he would see yeah, yeah. exploded bodies and exactly how it really looks. packed up limbs mm. genuinely. And sort of, you know, and it's sort of like, I mean, and I think that definitely, <laughs> that definitely plays into his effects work. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's a good documentary. It's well worth checking out. It's only about an hour and ten minutes as well. So yeah, but oh. uh, it's on. Uh, I've got it on DVD now because it's an extra for some reason on the Hills Have Eyes, uh, the Anchor Bay release, which I don't understand why because they don't mention the Hills Have Eyes in it. <laughs> so, but it was I kind of bought it because I wanted the documentary on DVD and treated the Hills Have Eyes as an extra. So, yeah, and nice. that's all the weather. Fantastic. Um, I saw Dave in the week, uh, previous guest on the show, Dave. Oh, cool. Um, so he had a couple of comments to make. Um, he chastised me and said that I was probably being a little bit mean uh, on our Night of the Living Dead episode. Um, he believes that there was possibly a steering lock on in the car because there was no... Uh, Mm. She didn't have the oh. keys, which is why she would have crashed into a tree. And that's not very just, true. I'd never thought of that. Not just because it's a woman driving, and they always hit <laughs> something. Um, yeah, and, I think that might have been your take on it, Lee. <laughs> just for the record, I do only say it in jest. I'm in no way sexist. I know you guys, you guys here recording, know that I only do it for humour. But I sometimes worry that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily get that. Um, Uh, The other thing that he pointed out, which was excellent. um, So in Halloween, I I did mean to look the guy's name up and I completely forgot. In Jamie Lee Curtis's bedroom, there's a painting on the wall um, and it's got the artist's name on it. And when Dave looked the artist up, um, he was famous for painting pictures of people in masks. Mm. 
So it was like a little Easter egg thing in there that I had no idea about. Yeah, and he just, I don't know why he saw it and decided to go and Google it and manage to find that. But yeah, it just goes to show you how much stuff is in the background of these films that we yeah we completely miss out on. So well done, Dave, for spotting that. And, yeah, uh, good work. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like facts. Yeah, little stuff that you admit, like when you've, you've seen the film a hundred times and it just glances you by and then you find something out new about it, it's just excellent. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I have, as you say, I watched Truth Seekers as well. I caught up with all of those. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I think it's well worth watching. Um, and because they're short, it's mm. eight episodes, I think, at like 25 minutes apiece. So, yeah. two. Yeah, I, two I, 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 I checked out a couple of episodes in my lunch hour. Yeah. It's perfect for that. Yeah, yeah, really good. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to see a lot of other people turning up, Julian Barrett and people that you don't, because I, I didn't know anything about it. So it was nice for people to just pop up. Um, uh, also, went back and rewatched for the first time in probably 25 years, Christine. Um, Realised I, I had it on VHS as a kid when I was in school, probably 14 or 15. Um, yeah, and haven't rewatched it again since. So I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, really, really good film. It was a lot better than I remember it. Um, and uh, and yeah, the lead guy in it does look exactly like Dave Vanian from The Damned, which is he the does. one thing I did remember about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was really good. Um, that is a great film. Other than that, I've actually, although it isn't stuff I've... Um, I have watched, I've read it, and it is linked. So I know I've said a few times we've talked about books, and I said I don't really <clears throat> get the time. But now we're in lockdown, I've been smashing through. Um, so there's an author called George Mann. Um, he oh, did yes. a load, yeah, yeah, you know him, he did the steampunk mm. books, uh, the Newbury and Hobbes ones. He also did two Sherlock Holmes ones, which were outstanding. Mm. Um, and he's just his latest ones. He's done uh, two books in the Witchwood series, um, and they are definitely horror. Uh, mm-hmm. And I got through both books in like two weeks. He's a, um, he's he is a very good author in that sense. Mm. I think I think he is a very um, he just has a really good pace. Yeah, it's yeah no he is he's very good, George man. Yeah, as I say, so since lockdown, I'd, I'd already read the steampunk ones, but since we've been in lockdown, I've read uh, these two or three Sherlock Holmes ones. Yeah, both the Witchwood ones. I finished the Essex Witch Museum series that we talked about previously. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so I've just been doing loads of horror themed reading. It's been lo- it's just it's the weather for it. It's really yeah. cold, and it's yeah. like sit on the sofa for a couple of hours in the afternoon. It's lovely. Um. So now, without further ado, as promised, uh, we are going to head into our room 101, and I'm going to hand over to Adam here, uh, who is going to take over the hosting for the rest of the evening. So uh, over to you, Adam. Was he doing? Well, they used to have the voice thing on it. I might, I might read. I might not bother because I'm going to sound. I was just thinking earlier. Um, uh... <laughs> Room one hundred and one. I don't know. I think I've... 
got a ring to it anyway. Yes, sorry. So, yeah, all right. I thought you were going to do the, the intro music on your mini move. <laughs> I think, well, I think we need to, I think we need to explain certainly for uh, uh, non UK listeners, uh, room 101 is obviously takes its name from George Orwell's 1984, but it was a it's a comedy show that has been running on the BBC for fucking years now. I think it started in the 90s. And basically, guests are invited on to nominate things to go into Room 101, which contains the worst things in the world. And um, started off as a, it started off, I think Nick Hancock was the original host and then Paul Merton took over. And Frank Skinner's doing it now, and I love Frank Skinner, but I don't like the format where they've sort of turned it into a panel show, essentially. Uh, I, right. can, can I just stop you there for a second? Because you said for our non-UK listeners, however, I've never seen it before. So oh, I obviously oh had to look it up when you were both talking about it. And I watched a couple of clips on YouTube, and yeah, I saw Frank Skinner. Um, and so I got the idea that, I mean, I'd yeah. heard of Room 101 I'd, I'd heard of it, but yeah, just never actually saw exactly what the format was. So, yeah, yeah like obviously I saw the three um, guests as a panel. Yeah. But so how, how was it different before? Originally, it would just be a single guest and they okay. would do the whole thing with them. But it was much more, mm. it was almost like a talk show. Right. Okay. But they had to, basically, they had to convince the host that it has to go into room 101. And yeah. anything that okay. they didn't get in, they were doomed to take with them. <laughs> And things and um, right. yeah, and that's so basically Paul Merton what... would have been kind of interesting. He's pretty grumpy, isn't he? Who? Yeah, Paul Merton. Paul Merton. Well, Paul Merton, I think, might have been the last guest with Nick Hancock before he took over doing the show. Uh... Um, but there've been some no, there's some great ones. I mean, uh, Peter Cook was fucking mm. brilliant on it. Uh, but then it was exactly right for him. It was basically Peter yeah. sit there and be funny for thirty <laughs> minutes. And yeah. He just, does it about things um, you're very angry about yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um but yeah so that's basically the premise of room 101 so similarly for our episode 101 mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we are uh we're going to have uh, a sort of discussion of we are going to try and nominate the worst of things to go into room 101 um, I don't think we'll bother doing it like the sort of Frank Skinner version. I think it's just we'll debate it whether it goes in and then just agree or disagree. I think that's going to be the easier way. Um, so, yeah, um, just to give you a bit of weird backstory, because obviously, like I say, in uh, in the book 1984, uh, Room 101 is the torture room mm. used by the uh, uh, government. and it contains the worst thing in the world because it's basically they've preyed on you to know what is your worst fear. So if your worst fear is drowning, you go into room 101 and they will waterboard you. Or as it is in 1984, his greatest fear is rats. Mm. So he goes in there and basically, yeah, is threatened to be chewed through by rats. Um, now, they adapted it in 1958 and did it on the BBC. Nigel Neal who will forever haunt this podcast, um, <laughs> actually uh, was the writer. It was like the year after he'd done the first Quatermass. Mm. And it's the same producer of Quatermass as well, a guy called Rudolf Cartier. 
and they broadcast it live on the 12th of December because that's basically how television was then. You just did it like a play, essentially. And um, so, yeah, so it went out live and it was a proper sort of... Um, oh, I can't think of the bloody... Uh, ghost watch sort of moment mm. in that there was public outrage and newspapers saying, ban this sick filth. And um, basically, it was like sort of everyone going, well, why are the BBC putting on horror? And that was the specific word they were using. They were using horror and horrific. And they sort of, because it is still, it's strong stuff. The book is, and, you know, Nigel Neal's not a man to pull punches either. And I think what really helped is that the main character in the adaption is played by Peter Cushing. And he actually won like a television award like the UK equivalent of an Emmy for his uh, for his role in this Donald Pleasance is in it uh, Andre Morel um, a lot of sort of uh, you know horror adjacent names I mean certainly not I mean Donald Pleasance and Peter Cushing is pretty much what they're they're in for and um, yeah so there was complaints and everything else like that and they were going to repeat it the following week hmm. But, but just bear in mind, in those days, when they repeated it, they did it live again. Oh, my God. They didn't record it. So, and there was questions in the Houses of Parliament, and, you know, it really got quite sort of heated and high up and was a big public furore. Mm. And there was a lot of sort of, well, we won't repeat it then, because obviously it's been, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's outraged people. But the Queen really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of saved it. So the BBC finally voted in favour of actually, this was before they used to just bottle it. And it'd be like, <laughs> right, we're, right we've, we've offended two people. We better fucking burn the building down and salt the earth just in case we fucking offend them again when they could have fucking switched over. I mean, well, yeah, back in 1958, yeah. you had one other channel you could go to. Oh. Not quite the same now. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, so um, they did do it and they taped that version of it they actually did oh, record that version the second one and um yeah and so it, it is out there it's real it really is worth tracking down and... See, I, I did i did think i was going to watch it in preparation for this and i started to watch the 1953 version oh yeah no no this it's the go for the 58 or okay. there's the 90 there was so... one made in 1983 yeah, it's only so I saw this was just available on Prime when I had a quick search, and so yeah, I'd, again I started to watch the uh, 19, 1984 version, isn't it? Nineteen eighty four. John Hurt. John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, which is um, equally brilliant, but mm. yeah, I just thought it was interesting that this this was def this was definitely at the time considered horror. Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, oh, you've got this, and what I love about it is it's like it's considered horror. I mean, now it's like a fucking docudrama. Mm. Yeah, it's just like, oh look, there's a the government wants to fuck you up, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. there we go. Anyway, that's a brief history lesson. So, yeah, very before nice. we Thank crack you. into the main thing, so and uh, so, good evening and welcome to welcome to horror room one hundred and one, <laughs> and uh, where myself, Adam, Lee, and Chris will be. Uh, throwing things into the uh, the fiery depths of Room 101, which contains nothing but the worst things in the world. 
Um, what order do you want to do this in, gents? Because we've got four questions uh, or four categories. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we should start with film or work our way up to it? Because I suppose it's sort of entirely up to you. Are the host? We are yes. entirely in your hands. Let you are the dictator. You control the horizontal. You control the vertical, and all that. And I control my pants. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think, well, I think we'll start, yeah, let's start with, let's start with worst film, because I think that's probably going to be the, 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 the biggest area. Yep. So, <laughs> so, Lee, yes, I'll go to you first. What is your worst film that you wish to place into Room 101? Um, so it's a non-horror film, just to be... Up front, I haven't picked horror for all of these. Uh-huh. I've gone for my my most uh, egregious of all of these categories, regardless of genre. Um, so the, the film I would like to put into Room 101 is Knights of Bad Aston. <laughs> um, okay. Because, as I've mentioned before, I've never been quite so disappointed in a film as I was with this one. Um, it started, I'd been waiting for it for ages and it kept getting put back and put back because of reshoots. It finally came out. I pre-ordered it. It arrived. I was so excited. I watched the first hour or so and it was brilliant. I loved everything about it. And then the end of it was just the worst 25 minutes or so of cinema I've ever seen. Um, the story didn't make any sense. It was massive leaps of logic that were just nonsense. Um, so, so it's a. I'm assuming from the title that it's a comedy because I've not seen it myself. Yes. So it's it's a, basically it's a super cool guy uh, who's now a singer in like a. He keeps calling it a doom band, but it's, it's like a battle metal band, right. <clears throat> and he lives with his friends, and they all used to play D and D and stuff. So his two friends are live action role players. So right. his girlfriend splits up with him. He's got the weekend. He's got nothing on and they're going LARPing. So they go to him, look, just come with us. Well, one of them has bought this grimoire on eBay that it turns out is a real magic book. So when he reads from it to do this spell, he actually conjures a demon. So you've got all these LARPers running around and a real life demon killing them on the field effectively. So that um, sounds like that could potentially be... It's definitely, I would, I'm putting it as horror adjacent. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely got, yeah, um, yeah, and it had a really good cast, and the comedy was really good, and it's a brilliant concept. Mm. Um, yeah, and I just absolutely loved it. I, I think Jennifer got about 45 minutes in and went, Yeah, I see where this is going, I'm going to bed. Um, mm. but yeah, and as I say, it just it did really, really well until the end, and then it just started taking all these ridiculous leaps of logic and and like i know it's a stupid film but it worked on a platform to a point and then it just it just completely fell apart and i enjoyed it so if much it doesn't obey its own logic then yes, yes that fails mm-hmm. um yeah and i just remember being so so disappointed that i wished i'd never heard of it in the first place so uh, now what's oh. funny is i remember you talking about this but my memory was that you really liked it so i must have totally forgotten <laughs> the end of it was ruined completely yeah so I don't want to spoil it necessarily but it's just like 
No, do you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to spoil it because it's awful and you should watch it. Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. So, so he reads from the book, which brings the demon. So what he works out is they need to read something else from the book in order to get the demon to go away. The book catches fire and all that is left is a piece of string from the spine. So he decides for no reason whatsoever that as long as he's holding the string and he sings a song that he's making up on the spot, it will have exactly the same effect and get rid of the demon. And guess what? It bloody does. Fuck off. Not having it. <laughs> not having it. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go on any longer because I'll start getting angry. So uh, well, that's fair enough. I feel uh, so... back to the host. Right. Can, well, can we well... can we play devil's advocate on that? <laughs> of course, as neither of us have seen it. <laughs> yeah. I I think that would have worked perfectly. To be honest, can't see a problem at all. <laughs> oh, it's just oh. Oh, and, and then a character who died previously just comes back as a fiery midget with a massive <laughs> sword. But it was a midget before, to be fair, right? Um, yeah. It's, um, it's what's his name from Game of Thrones? Pete English. Yes, it's him. Um, but he gets killed and dies. And then for no reason, he suddenly just comes down from the sky in lightning and his eyes light up and he's got a massive axe and he just starts killing this demon. What? Why? What's that got to do with anything? Why, you pricks? See, I think they, it sounds like they should have been more angling it towards prog than battle metal, I think. But then yeah. I suppose something of a crossover. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I know that I was, I was intending to put in a film for much the same reason and I've decided against it just because it was like yeah but I did love the first the first bit of it I was just bitterly disappointed but, by but it we know but that that does make Lee extremely angry when he it like it's all it's way worse to give him a, a little taste of something amazing and then poison yeah, it so it. terribly that's it's that's what I mean rubbish. I think rubbish. Yeah, I mean, I th like I say, I think that, that that was definitely something that I felt was a justified reason to put something into Room 101. I, did, I decided to go with something else, but that was definitely on the list where I was like, yeah, if I'm going to go for worst film, yeah, because that was... And it was just worst film because of exa exactly that same reason. There's nothing... There is nothing worse than something absolutely brilliant like shit in itself. In yeah. the last like twenty minutes, oh, it so really is. I mean, if you think about it, that's. I mean, it's much like Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> you know, your your costume. You you could have been sending out people in your designs, and it was all going fabulous. If the last two models shat themselves live on stage, <laughs> I, people would only remember that and feel very disappointed. So I thought I thought you were going to say Paris Fashion Week was a horror film we haven't seen yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> unless it may well be. Someone may need to Google that just in case, because I think because I, I think maybe it's just because of how long they've been going with holidays, hmm. you know, Black Christmas, Halloween, and everything. Are they going to get to the end where it's like Paris Fashion Week? <laughs> you know, Shrove Tuesday. Me. You know, I think they'll be. I think they'll be there. You know, but um. So, Chris, do you think so, that Lee should be allowed to put the uh, Knights of Bad Aston into Room 101? He does seem to be putting forward 
a reasonable argument for it. Mm. And, yeah. and it's upset him a lot. Yeah. And I think However, what what if we watch it and decide it's awesome? Do we have to take it back out and batter him over the head with it? <laughs> well, no. I mean, the, the the good thing is, is if we put it in, we don't have to watch it because it technically doesn't uh, exist. We have to. Yeah, remove, yeah. Oh, no! So that's watch saved. This. You know, that's that's saved an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give him this one. Yes. So there we go, Lee. We are putting <laughs> Knights of Bad Aston into Room One Hundred One. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, Chris. On to your worst film, sir. Oh, well, I've got a bit of a theme coming here. It's a subtle theme that previous uh, or people that have listened to the show previously may have picked up on. And by the end of this, you may also pick up on it. But it's subtle, so keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> so the film I'm going for is The Mummy 2017 with mm. Tom, Tom Cruise, or I might call him Thomas, because by the end of this, I don't think me and him will be friends anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, right now, I've got a love-hate relationship with Thomas. I, I, I really love to hate him. And uh, now, th- this might have come mostly from the interviews with him that I saw, and these were mostly based around him being in Scientology. And he comes yeah. across as quite arrogant and, you know, very full of himself that he's worked out the answer to everything, and he's not very likable in that. It might have also, and this is what I mentioned earlier. It may have also come from South Park's portrayal of him, which was not the most positive. <laughs> and I don't remember all the details of that episode, but yeah, it, it definitely left a, a memory of him being a slightly worse than, than might be true. However, this film does not uh, do him justice. And here's what I'm going to say. The reason I'm talking mostly about him is because his films do become about him quite a lot, I would say. And that really works well for some films, right? So he did well in Top Gun. Um, I liked him in Minority Report. Um, I liked him in Rain Man, which possibly was the first film I saw him in. I didn't actually like him, but he he was good in it. Yeah. He Um, is one of those thoroughly fucking irritating people who doesn't just do shit. Yeah. So you have to to involve him Mm, in your cinematic enjoyment, which, which in a way is as offensive as when you two downloaded their fucking album to everyone's fucking iPhone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, um, so now I probably would like him in a few good men. I've seen the trailer for it many times and it looks great, but I I've heard never he seen likes it. himself in a few good men. <laughs> I wasn't quite going to go there. <laughs> I, th- I think oh. we've approached it. Let's, let's back yeah. off. <laughs> but yeah, so um yeah. you have to cut a bit. You lost me a bit with the uh imagining Sorry. Tom Cruise, but there you go. Well, I, right. I, I, so, no, I know I know where you're coming from because I think it's it's okay if you're the main character. Like say Top Gun, he is the main character. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're in the mummy Face it, mate. The mummy's the main character, right? Yeah, or there you go. Be. Yeah, you, you've understood the problem. That's it. And so, so it is. It's too much about him, and he then takes away everything that I think could have been really good about it. Now, the one good thing 
from me watching it is that I'd quite like to watch the original. So I hope we have it on our list at some point in the future. We haven't done a fucking mummy film. <laughs> no. How apart from Monster Squad? Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it would be good to see, you know, because that lead, I, that leads us to the debate: do we do the Hammer or the Universe? Exactly. Yeah. So I think there are a few options. Yeah, but no, that's that's something we. I am incredulous. We do need to correct that. Yeah, absolutely. You assume you've done most of the things, you know. But um, yeah, but no, I I I know exactly what I know exactly what you mean, and I think also the. What is it? What was it called? The was it the dark universe or something mm, like that? that they yeah. were, basically, they were proposing that it was going to be as it was for Universal back in the forties, more than anything. Of you would team up the monsters in a Van Helsing sort of style, and yeah, the whole thing where it's like you go and see the mummy, and it's that promise that you'll get the bride, you'll get Jekyll and Hyde, you'll get all mm. these, you know, you'll get all. All the monsters. Yeah. And then you find out, oh, no, actually what this is, this is spooky Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah, that is it. That is Where the problem. Like, I didn't sign up mm-hmm. to watch a fucking Tom Cruise series where he's basically, you know, doing what he does in other blockbusters. Every other, yeah. But with monsters. Yeah. <laughs> And, That's it. Yeah. yeah, it just does not suit him. I don't think that because it, like, I guess he was, he was, it was a bit funny, you know, parts of mm. it as well. Um, I guess, and he didn't really seem to do that humor well. Now, it, he did do humor very well. I'll give him this in Tropic Thunder. I would say that role <laughs> suited him perfectly. There you go. You should yeah. stick to those sort of. Humor. Well, I think weirdly enough, it's because at that point he just for those little moments that he's in it, he does hijack the film. But yeah, he, yeah, exactly. But he's brilliant. At <laughs> but it works. It, and he yeah. is really fucking funny. Yeah. But it's, you know, I think, yeah, I I think f- personally from my point of view, my vote goes in favour of dropping it in because not only just to get, uh, just to give Mr. Cruz a bit of a kick, but also because of what it could have fucking been. Like you said, Lee, with your, um, with um, Knights of Bad Aston, where it's like, I've seen the first half hour of this. You've done really fucking well. Mm. How did you fuck this up? And I think similarly, it's like, because I remember also, I might be wrong, but they kind of, they didn't make Tom Cruise's presence in the thing known particularly far ahead of time. Mm. It was all like Universal are doing the mummy and they've got a female mummy and it's um, the woman from... Uh, Kingsman or whatever it is. Is it Kingsman? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they sort of sold it in that sense. And then you find out, oh, it's actually like some sort of he's basically Tom Cruise is Nick Fury, but if Nick Fury was the main character of the Avengers movie. And you're like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. So certainly from my point of view, I would agree it goes in. No, have I convinced Lee? Uh, I I I totally agree. As Adam said, for the, for the same reason, they when they were going to do the Dark Universe and they said who all the characters were going to be in all the films, it all sounded good. I was up. Everything's for it. there. Yep. 
and then as you say they made this an action movie it was it was a mission impossible movie against the mummy who had probably 15 minutes of screen time mm-hmm. and it bombed so badly that the entire thing was scrapped and never happened um yeah and it's it's a shame so yeah i think if this goes in we might get another crack at the dark universe so mm. well, fair enough well, reason then well yeah. i think that carried unanimously <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'll be I'll be quick. My fl- my worst film, because I I did I racked my fucking brains over this because, like I say, there was a lot of stuff that I was thinking. I was thinking the haunting remake, and then suddenly it just suddenly dawned on me, the Dead Next Door from nineteen eighty nine. Uh, Dead Next Door is a extremely low budget zombie movie, um, and. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell both put money into it, mm. but it's bloody awful. Basically, the premise is... I think, I think you've already sold Lee on it. <laughs> well, it's got zombies in it, so Lee's yeah. immediately yeah, quite, quite in that department. Um, but yeah, and so I'll give you the premise. The premise is the world is experiencing a zombie plague, and the story focuses on a team of military black ops zombie hunters, imaginatively called the zombie squad <laughs> um, as they go through a series of containment cleanup missions they discover a religious uh, a religious cult is helping and protecting the zombies as they believe the zombies are god's punishment on earth which sounds i like the cult bit that's mm. quite an interesting sort of little take and everything else like that that's that's not your trope for later then yeah i and i admire the ambition of anyone, mm-hmm. well, of anyone making a fucking film. I've not yeah. done it, yeah. so well done them. So I don't want to knock it in that sense. I certainly don't have a problem with low budgets. I don't have a problem with poor effects. To a certain extent, I don't have a problem with bad acting. I think that's one of the things that, let's face it, if you watch Hammer films, the lead is always wooden. Yeah. If it's apart from apart from Christopher, uh, apart from Peter Cushing as Van Helsing your main lead will always be like a sort of very bland young man and you're like, get him off the screen, where's Karloff? You know, yeah. and sort of and so so I don't have a problem in that sense, but I think they've sort of started with like they want to do this big fucking it's like, like I say, army versus zombies. That's quite a big thing yeah. to film with nothing. And then you go and look at like Night of the Living Dead, they work to their budget, whereas this really was, I think they just overstretched it. You've got the military group. I mean, everyone in it is pretty bad. Like all the actors are pretty bad. The dialogue's worse and they have to say it. And it's like, right, so we're talking about a black ops military group. So you want these guys, they've got to be drilled. They've got to look like soldiers. They've got to have the equipment. None of that happens. <laughs> they sort of piss and fart ass around like the carry-on team in various sort of zombie situations. And, you know, because people have to get killed, so it's like suddenly this soldier doesn't think to look behind him or he forgets that, oh, yeah, I'll kick this zombie in the face, but it might grab my leg and bite me. Wait, you know, wait, I've had a thought. I've had a thought. Yeah. Is this meant to be a comedy and you didn't realise it? I don't think it is. That's oh. the trouble. Because I heard about it and it sounded great. 
and I've read and I'm it has a following I'm not sort of like you know I'm probably going to get followed over the coals by someone for not oh, liking yeah. but genuinely and here's the worst bit is it commits the ultimate sin of being fucking boring it's not uh, it's not so bad it's good mm. it's just oh and there's another nail in the coffin I will say like there's a bit where it's like they go to the containment unit and they're obviously meant to have like dawn of the dead hordes of zombies and basically there's some zombies rattling their cages but they're not doing it that hard because the cages are clearly cardboard <laughs> and, and not like cardboard tubes cardboard with holes cut in it like rectangular long rectangular holes to look like bars yikes it's do you know what i mean and i i fucking watched doctor who you know <laughs> but e- even i was distracted by how poorly some of the sets were and everything else like that the gore is pretty good but i'm assuming that's where all their money went that's that. That is the only reason I can think that everything else is a bit is so sort of shonky and everything. Um, there's and it wants to be an action movie, but they can't. The guy can't shoot action particularly well, and it gets all a bit muddled. And it's yeah, it's just it's not great. And it's sort of there's a lot of, sort of cliche dialogue and everything else like that. Um, but also, um, yeah, like I say. There's one redeeming moment in this film, and it do- it's because it shows me something that I've never seen in a zombie movie or another movie before. At one point, a zombie is beheaded. It, the head is still alive. Someone reaches to grab it. It bites their fingers off and then gently poops them out of its neck hole as it swallows. <laughs> and I'm that genuine. And I think it's like you've opened with your best track because that's like in the first five minutes. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if that's the thing that kept a lot more people in. Yeah. Because I because for me, it was just like, oh, fucking hell, 15 minutes ago, a zombie head shit out some fingers. 40 minutes ago. That is literally, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. So that's the one I'm sticking in. I'm assuming, I'm, I'm kind of assuming neither of you guys have seen The Dead Next Door. No, I think it was. I think I also very similar to you, Lee, where it was like the the um, by like pre-ordering uh, mm. the film. It was a bit of a bugger to track down on DVD. I think I think it was like, I mean, it wasn't pricey, pricey, but I think I paid like maybe a bit over the odds for what you would a DVD online. And, adds um, to the uh, the experience. It adds to the experience because I think that was the thing. Is it just like I say? I just in the end, I was like, I don't care. You know, this is, and it wasn't even, it didn't even get to that enjoyment level where, because no one felt like a character, I was just watching a badly made movie. Mm. I didn't get drawn in. Yeah. And so you don't even get that thing of, that's an irrit- that character's irritating. I hope they get it in him. Because it doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't work like that. So, yeah, so that's my, that's my nomination. I'm assuming that I will probably soon be like, in hiding because I've probably wound up a, what two we to unknown tip of the iceberg of <laughs> vehement the dead next door fans. <laughs> well, that's it, the other thing well, as well is I remember watching it. I am shocked that it was made in 1989. I am convinced. Seriously, I'd be convinced 79. Wow. 
like in terms of just the grading of it and everything else like that. It was just, yeah, it's just, and it's 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 still going strong. It gets Blu-ray releases and stuff like that, so it's it's out there. And like, no, of course, like, I don't want to shit on someone's parade. You've made a film very well done, but other than that, I just don't want to know. Yeah, you know? that is the it's thing. Like, we we it's tend like to get releasing records. Well done that you've got a record deal and you can write songs. Please leave me alone. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll congratulate you on that, but I cannot do anything else without getting insulting. <laughs> um, I am going to vote to... I'm not going to agree with everything that everybody says. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but this one I definitely will agree with again because I'm sick of low-budget zombie movies and... I'm sick. It's the new thing as well at the moment. I mean, I know you said this film's a bit older, mm. um, but I watched the thing recently, which is trailers for all the new films coming out later this year and next year, and they're all the army versus the army versus aliens, mm. and then the army gets sent back in time, and then an army squadron gets sent to fight dinosaurs, and it's like it's all just this same. Yeah, so mm. a, a terrible army squadron versus zombies does sound just and again it's one of those like if you're going to make a low budget movie have a low budget idea you're not going to go yeah. i'm going to make pacific rim i've got you know 100 <laughs> grand it's not going to happen yeah. like you shoot okay. what you can afford and you write it around what's doable don't yeah. don't go mental if you haven't got the budget for it so yeah especially, I, I, especially yeah. because a lot of the time that is what produces some of the greatest stuff hmm. where it's like right we can't do this what do we do instead yeah. And that's how you got some great monsters before. It was like, oh, we'll just do it in CGI. Where it'd be like, well, we've got a monster, but you'll only see it like under very dark lights twice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, I suppose I will also allow this one. However, I'm a little concerned that if it is good and we get some complaints, that it will uh, rise back out of room 101 and come back and bite our fingers off. <laughs> well, we'll just have to see, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I think we're probably... As I say, the one, the fact that it's one I've... I've heard the name, but nobody has ever told me I should watch it. So I, I definitely don't feel that we're, we're going to lose a classic with this one. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate, I appreciate your, uh, your candour and your honesty. <laughs> So, the dead next door also goes into room 101. Right. Well, the next one should be, I think, probably a bit quicker and whatever. Yeah. Uh, should we go with worst performance? Oh, yes. So, Chris, what have you gone with? Well, so uh, I've gone with a, a little-known actor from a, a unheard-of film. His name is Thomas Cruise, who was in this film called... <laughs> The Mummy in 2017, and he was so, <laughs> so shit. He ruined the film, and it could have been such a good film. It was such a bad film. It got sent to Room 101. <laughs> he, he just ruined it. I was, I was, I was watching it, and I, I thought to myself, I'm actually tempted to bury myself alive rather than watch this film. <laughs> and as you'll learn later, I really hate being buried alive. So that's how bad this was. It is, it is awful. There you go. Well, well, you get my vote, certainly. Yeah, I, I've voted it before. I definitely can't go back on it now, otherwise that would make me uh, a turncoat. So, 
Better than being a turd coat. <laughs> if I'm 100% honest. I like but the fact I'm think... not being disqualified for cheating here. <laughs> no, I. do you know what? I just like your callback. Yeah. The fact it's like, he's been in a movie so bad, but it's in Room 101. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was hoping we were going to agree on that in the first place. Otherwise, yeah. that would have ruined it all. <laughs> well, that seems to be carried unanimously. Tom Cruise, <laughs> fuck off into room one hundred and one. <laughs> so, Lee, what beautiful um, uh, yeah, performance I'm... do you bring to the table? <laughs> So I'm going to keep this nice and brief because it is one that I did cover a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going to call back to this year's release for Netflix. It's Hoobie's Halloween. Um, It was never going to be a stone-cold classic. It could definitely have been a film that I would possibly return to every couple of years and enjoy. And and wait, I would would say possibly good for a younger audience seeing some early Halloween. Like, that would be... yeah. It's a big selling point, maybe. Yeah, and, and as we've said before, you know, trying to get younger audiences into into mm. to horror when they're yeah, it worked for you and I, Adam. You know, mm. and it was those one or two little things that drew us in and made us go and investigate. So anything like that that gets to kids that's Halloween themed, I think is brilliant. Um, so this should have been fantastic, as I say, yeah. and it, it shouldn't. Have. No, it should have been fantastic. It should have been good, and it mm. should have been something I would definitely watch again. Um, but yeah, his performance spoiled it for me so much. I, I would be surprised if I ever go back. Apart from if it's just one of those, it will be one of those things in four or five years. I'll be like, probably overestimated with that, and I'll watch it and I'll just sit there again. No, no, no. I was right the first time. So yeah, if we so took it's Adam now, Sandler, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah. Adam Sandler, yes, sorry. Yeah. Did, did you not watch it, Adam? Strangely enough, no, because I was too busy nailing my prick to a plank of wood. <laughs> which, is how I, which is how I always resolve an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> I think I think even Uncut Gems, I think I just uh, shoved a bee's nest up my arsehole. <laughs> I was busy, so I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't a see it. A wise choice. See, and this you've intrigued me though now because now I want to know. So what? So what does it do? Does it have clips from old horror films in it, or does it reference old horror films? Or um, no, it's it's just it's it's a kind of a family friendly, um, you know, Halloween romp, <laughs> and it's got all the you know the local haunted house in it, and all the kids trick or treating, and it's it's got a really nice Halloween feel. Um, a bit like we said with Trick or Treat, where it's got that very, like, it, you know, you can almost smell the chestnuts and, you know, feel the cold on your face when you're watching it. It's mm. kind of got that. And then it's just got him behaving like an imbecile all the way through it and totally spoiling every single scene. And the thing is, the scenes that he aren't, the scenes that he aren't in, Jesus. Um, the scenes that he... Well, he's got his aunt in it as well. <laughs> The scenes that don't have him in, I, I, definitely you can feel the difference. Like, they're the scenes that work. They're the ones that you laugh at. They're the ones that come across well. And then as soon as he came on screen, every time I felt myself, I felt oh, my shoulders. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've got to get through this bit to get to the next good bit. To get to the next good, possibly funny T-shirt. And I was like, oh. Yes, that's it. Did, did have his mum wearing some awesome T-shirts. 
But then, let's face it, they could have got another actor to wear those T-shirts. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, so, uh, oh, what's better in his place? Kurt Russell. Well, right. Well, right, yeah. Literally. <laughs> anybody. anybody. Alan Cumming. <laughs> Alan Going. <laughs> um... Well, I mean, so Chris, do you think that it, it's a performance worthy of? I, I do have to completely agree. It's Fair enough. Like, I, I think, yeah, the film did have some great references in. It, yeah, yeah, it's a great look, great feel to it. Just, oh no, it's him again. <laughs> and, and I really liked him when when I first watched Happy Gilmore. I did quite like him in that film, and I'm fairly certain I liked him in a few others, but I have no idea what they were. But now it just I don't know. He's Happy not Gilmore good. Is good. I like Happy. Is Gilmore. it maybe that's why then? Like, Happy yeah. Gilmore. But he, yeah, he is a bit similar in a lot of them. I, I what else was he in? He's been in tons of films. Oh, was he in one called Little Nick? Oh, I didn't watch any of them to be honest. Is he in Little Nicky? Was that he is one? in Little Nicky. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> oh, he was in. Oh, what's the one about the heavy metal band? Airheads. Yes, he was in that. Probably the one Adam Sandler film I like, and that's probably because I didn't know who he fucking was when I first watched it. <laughs> and he's the one of the three. Yeah. He's got a lot less lines than the others. <clears throat> well, I think I think that um I was I, I was willing I was willing to hear reason. Um but fuck him, I can't stick the prick. Um <laughs> And neither of you two seem to in this. So certainly Adam Sandler's performance in, what is it called? The Hoobie Halloween? Hoobie's Halloween, yeah. Hoobie's Halloween. So yeah, Adam Sandler in Hoobie's Halloween slams through the doors of Room 101. Yay! Um, right, well. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be brief. I did try. I did try and keyhole, uh, like sort of crowbar in Quentin Tarantino, but I couldn't really. Apart from From Dust Till Dawn, I couldn't really think of a horror movie. Um, and he's quite an important part of that film, so I couldn't really get rid. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, and this, I feel fucking awful about this one. But it was genuinely the only one that I could think Ooh. of that really sort of I kept coming back to, and I couldn't sort of really think of anyone else. And I love him to bits, but it's Keanu Reeves in Brown Circus oh. Dracula. <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting. Because I think, I probably... think and I'll be fair, he is just so fucking miscast. Yeah. You've got you've you're talking about a film where you've got Richard E. Grant in it, and you want someone to play a stuffy Englishman. So you get Keanu Reeves to play that part, but you've also got like a gung-ho Texan cowboy type bloke in it, and you don't get Keanu Reeves to play him, maybe. <laughs> and it's, yeah, just a bit... Mm, yeah, and I just think... The poor sod, he tries to do an English accent, but it, it ain't happening. She's <laughs> like, wolf through bloody blue fog. Whoa. You know, and... And like I say, I love Keanu Reeves. He genuinely seems to be one of the few absolutely nice people mm. with money in Hollywood. Mm. You know, yeah, it's, definitely. I mean, it's he is one of the few people who you can't you can't imagine they'd drain the lake and find a couple of dead children. 
<laughs> you know, he's the, he's probably the only one left in Hollywood who That's seems in any way, shape, or form a decent, well-adjusted human being. Absolutely. So this is not a slight against Keanu Reeves at all. And I'm going to say I loved him in Matrix. The, really the whole enough. film series obviously helped that. Um, and Speed was good. Yeah, Bill and Ted. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, Ted, you know, yeah. I mean, he has been, he's been in great films. He may not have been necessarily the best actor in them, but he's been in, mm. he's, like you say, with The Matrix, he carries the films. I mean, fucking hell, you've got, you're standing next to Lawrence Fishburne, you're going to come off badly. Yeah. But still, he carries and I think it. he's a fair, fair cast in that because he you know he's meant to be a bit of a noob throughout obviously he yeah. improves it's uh, like i think it worked oh no definitely but john i just wick. think yeah that's the mm. thing if you cast him right john wick is fantastic because that's what you want you want a weirdo who's ultimately <laughs> a loner and doesn't really fit into society so his wooden form of acting it's why yeah. john, I mean, john wick is obviously so over the top and Mm. It's, the, it's the initial starting of a Bond film for an hour and 45 minutes. It's just daft mm. as hell. Um, but yeah, he's perfect in that. But yeah, as you say, and then something like this, it's, oh, you, oh you, you, every time he's on screen, you feel your balls go back in your body. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just tense up and it's just, oh. Speaking, speaking of great Keanu performances, I want to recommend um, The Bad Batch. Which, oh yeah, from the same director as um, "A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night," and he—that's brilliant. He really is great in that. That's full of weird, weirdly great performances. Jim Carrey's brilliant in it as well. But it's, mm. um, yeah. Let's face it. I think maybe I'll justify it to myself by saying that I want to put in this performance just so that we can sit there and go. You're all right, Keanu. Don't you yeah. worry, mate. We've got we've got your back. We've tipexed this off of the Seaver. Mm, yeah. You know, so what? You I wonder. Have, right, you don't with, have to mention it anymore. With with the deep fake technology that seems to be accelerating at a rate of knots, then I wonder when it will get to a point where you could say, "Look, we need to apply it to this film because the rest of the film is fantastic." And uh, I have seen it. I don't know that I've seen all of it, but um, you know, lots of other great actors in it and. Um, if you could just change him a bit or enough to make it so that that doesn't stand out and then you end up with a great film. Cruel as it sounds, even if they'd have just fucking dubbed him. Well, yeah. That would probably be half the battle. Yeah. But, yeah. So, gentlemen, I'm going to leave you entire, leave this entirely in your hands because, like I say, I feel kind of bad pick, picking on Keanu because I like Keanu, but, it, I, yeah, this performance I, is not good. <laughs> it, it hurts to say it, but I am convinced. Um, I, I am going to be the contrarian now. Um, I, I'm going to save you, Adam, and I, mm -hmm. I, I make you feel guilty about it, so I'm going to be the voice of reason from the other side. Um, <clears throat> I don't like this film at all. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like Gary Oldman's performance in it either. Um, I don't... There's bits. There's a bit on it where they're supposed to be on a train, and it literally looks like they put a GoPro on top of a a, like a, a, a just a model train in someone's living room. It is so bad. So yeah. I, I think at the time they were justifying things as oh, we tried to make it look like it was you know old silent foot film footage. It's like no, they'd go and film a train. Yeah, 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 exactly. It wasn't a fucking Ornby in someone's exactly. Attic. Like, 
it's not that difficult. We've got them scattered all over the country still. Um, so Keanu's performance takes this film from uh, a really terrible movie into a bit of a comedy for me. Um, so I make him the saving grace in this film. So, because... so, so when was this filmed? Because ninety-two. Yeah, so it is. It is pretty old then. Yeah, because so very, like, I very, can't remember if I actually old. saw it all or I did just see it. You know, the trailer it, on Sky was, over and over because I seem to remember it being massive huge. at the time. Yeah, it was. It Absolutely. really was a big deal at the time. And, and, and we know Ryder as well. The default Dracula. Right, Actually, yeah. I think it's yeah. still kind of probably it, it was the last default Dracula because mm. even like the Simpsons when they did Mr. Burns and he had all the he had the red cloak and the big mm. white hair and stuff like that. And I think this was the yeah, this was probably the last time, unless Klaus Bang has sort of done it. But I, I don't I'd think like to think so. Mm. I'd be pleased, yeah. I think I think he would be definitely one one who is worthwhile where people would be measuring it against him, but um, yeah, I think this was like this was almost like it when you know you got Bella Lugosi, Christopher Lee, probably Frank Langella, uh, Louis Jordan, arguably, uh, but actually Louis Jordan's probably no, and then um, yeah, and then Gary Oldman. I suppose yeah, if you I liked think, yeah. a lot of those films, um, I don't think I'd seen anything else um, about Dracula. I don't think I'd seen any others. Um, I, th- I think also at that point, it's, it was the first time that someone did a kind of pretty much since, yeah, pretty much since the Frank Langella one, mm. that they someone did a like straight right we're just doing Dracula. Mm. With Francis Coppola as well. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to put it in anyone's hands to get it right, <clears throat> um, and it just it didn't. But as I say, for for me, it was it, everything about it was so utterly terrible that I that just he actually wanted, improved it. Yeah, yeah, and pissed myself all the way through. <laughs> so um, <laughs> right. In which case, I'm going to thank you, Lee, for saving my soul. <laughs> I don't have to put Keanu into Room One Hundred and One because I don't want. I just don't want to. No, I want to. I want to nice. make make you know write him a nice letter, <laughs> send him a present. I don't want to put him in Room One Hundred and One. <laughs> so that that one is staying out. Keanu yeah. Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula remains in perpetuity. Jennifer yes. will be over the moon. She loves him and she loves that film. <laughs> <laughs> So, coming up next, worst genre trope. Mm. Um, Lee, what, um, is your, what is your one? Have you, what have you gone with, sir? May I be allowed to go last? Because I've got Definitely. two, um, and I don't know. if I've got two because they both annoy me equally, and I was worried that you both might have one of them. So if I go okay. last, if one, of you, if one of you does pick it, then I can do the other one. That's fair enough, Chris. What would you say? Okay, well, my trope is being buried alive, as I mentioned earlier. Right? And I really don't like that because uh, I think it's one of my, it might be a phobia. I think I'm probably claustrophobic, but I haven't had to test it out too much. But I know that just the There's thought... There's man broadcasting from a cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> right, here's, here's why that works. I've got a door that I can just open. 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you're in control. Yeah, that's the thing. Now, the idea of going down into uh, you know, into caves where you you're going through these little gaps that you you like, how do you, are you going to fit through there, or are you just going to be stuck there forever? Like that just seems like the craziest yeah. idea. Um, and and this trope appeared in a film that also went into Romano Run called. <laughs> The Mummy, two thousand seventeen. Really? Well, not so. not quite. I'm I'm probably pushing it a little bit here, but she, you know, the mummy was buried. I think she was buried alive for yes. um if it, if being, follow, to be punished. Yeah, so the, the sort of original universe. Yeah. yeah the, so basically, you know, the the mummy is uh, punished by punished, the that's it. Be, uh, mummified alive, essentially. Yeah. So so yeah, you know, that's that seems like an awful thing to me. So I don't like that. Anytime I see it in a film. It's like it, I just I suddenly get the thought of if you're actually stuck six feet under and you're like you're not even far from being able to get out. But no, you cannot get out. You're just stuck there and you don't even have much room to move to try and do anything. It's just it's the most oh, it's horrible. Was, so there you fun, go. Funnily enough, I was reading a thing uh, the other day where someone it was one of those things, you know, it's like, for Christ's sake, don't Google <laughs> You know, so I was like, right, I'm googling that, <laughs> and, and no, and it was it was very much that story. It was like a guy gone um, uh, cave, uh, like spelunking. Mm. Yeah, that's, and he that's got the word. he got he got trapped, and they tried to pull him out, and they wedged him worse, mm. and they essentially had to give had up to just leave him. Yeah, that is yeah. just, and you're but... like. Because you kind of assume, you kind of assume, yes, so you could go down there, get trapped, not be rescued. But I didn't but realize to, that you could be nearly, rescued, and then they just go, "Fuck it, it's five o'clock." <laughs> you know, he ain't coming out. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, and, and the caves are sealed now. This particular mm. one because it's notorious, so dangerous, sort of dangerous, yeah. and everything else like that. So yeah, but no, I can. I can definitely see that as a. I can. I can definitely see that because I think, and certainly from a point of view as a personal one, mm. I can see that why that would that would concern you. I. I mean, I. I don't fancy being buried alive, but I don't find it bothers me too much in stuff. You, you haven't thought about it properly, Adam. Exactly. Really, I, really yeah. think about it. No, I know what you mean. Um, Lee, where do you stand on uh, premature burial? See, now I'm 50-50 on this one. Reason being, uh, I also am pretty claustrophobic and the thought, the thought of it is, is terrifying. Um, however, I do think that the movie Buried from 2010 was one of the first films, uh, which is entirely in a box of a man mm. who's been buried alive, um, and it brought the beautiful Ryan Reynolds um, to our mm. screens uh, which he's been lulled of ever since. So I'm kind of torn because the idea of being buried alive is a trope I'm against, but the idea of possibly losing Ryan Reynolds <laughs> might just be a bridge too far. Um, You've so made a I'm, powerful point, Lee. So I'm going to sit on the fence with this one. Ooh. I'm going to leave it to you, Adam. Did, did I mention that it was in this really shit film called The Mummy? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Still haven't he, got you. No, right. he's on the fence. Example, certainly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, te technically, the the one that happens in the Mummy no longer happens mm. because that's the, yeah. the the film's gone in. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm of a mind 
don't know. I don't. What Adam's really saying is he would like us to bury him alive one day, just to see <laughs> if he can get out. Oh no, I, 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 I know it's absolutely terrifying, but then I like the absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Place. All I do know is that after this, I'm assuming we're not watching the descent anytime soon. So, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. however, see, as, as I've said, you know, as much as I hate it and I have to choose something, I do also kind of like that feeling. Oh, I think very, I think you should good. I think you should be forced to experience your phobias. Probably, oh, well, I think you've I think you've written yourself out of your oh, own no. argument there. So yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can't put this in as long as you keep telling Jennifer she's got to watch. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> you know, because the, yeah, the worst thing know. is a hypocrite, and I will not be a hypocrite. And Jennifer <laughs> should watch Jaws. Well, it appears that premature burial does not go into room one hundred and one. Um, I'm I'm going to apologise because I think maybe I'm going heavy here. I don't fucking know, but I'm going to put in uh, rape slash sexual assault mm. because I think it's I think it's something that you need to really have the justification to put in. Yeah. And a lot of, and particularly horror, often it's just wheeled out because it's horrible. Yeah. Or it's a cheap making a point. And also, I utterly hate if it becomes like the defining characteristic of a female character. Mm. Where it's like, you know, within the bounds of the film, it's just like, they're the rape victim. Mm. And that's that's what that's all the contribution that is made. There is no change to that, or there's no something coming out of that, or something like that. And uh, there are pro- there are probably films where I mean, again, it's very much eye of the beholder. There are probably films where I know Lee, you find it a very difficult subject in stuff as well. And I, well, I mean, I, I think most. I was going to say, oh, uh, yeah, I think everybody gets to it, but I'm the same as you. I think if you're going to show, show something that gratuitous, mm. it needs to be, it's not just, this is the, you know, this is the high school dickhead, we're going to show, prove it by it. Like, mm. Exactly. It's such a cheap, lazy and unpleasant way of just showing yeah. someone as the dick of the film. Yeah. And I think, in a, in a weird way, I think it's almost it was almost a similar thing that um, occurred a lot with Game of Thrones. Hmm. Was it was just like, oh well, we, we, well, we, we've done this horrible thing, and they've done that horrible thing. We'll have to up the ante for the next season, so we'll put that in. Yeah, and it's okay. It's probably in the books. And it's probably true to the books, but again, it's just it's. Uh, and again, I don't want to sound sort of like prissy about it or anything. I just think it's fucking unta- It's distasteful. I think that, and I'm I'm not sort of removing it from movies where I think it's a point of the film, mm. but I do think that there's when it's either idle titillation or you just couldn't think of a better way of explaining someone's a bastard, yeah, or someone's a victim. It's so yeah, so that's. That's that's See, my piece, essentially. I really want to argue against it, but it's a very difficult one to argue against. Well, I think I think it's because 
and I feel bad. I don't feel bad. Fucking hell. But I think it's like, in a weird way, it's a it's a gratuity too far for me. Yeah, I I, I... I can deal with gratuitous violence. Mm. I can deal with gratuitous swearing. But that one, I think, is just it's like. I think it says more about the the writers or the makers in terms of either a lack of imagination or worse, you know, it's exploitative and it's mm. yeah. yeah. Especially especially if it's like, oh well, how do we get the main actress to show her breast? Yeah. Oh well you know, it's like I'm not I'm not denying that you should you you know, why not? But if that's your way of doing it, that's you know it's a bit fucked up, and I think it's a bit fucked up the people watching it getting off on it. Yeah. So, what are some of the worst films that use it? Well, I mean, I think there is there's something to be said. I mean, like the entity, I think, is a deeply fucking unpleasant movie, um, which is basically a woman is repeatedly raped by a ghost, hmm. and it's. Like there's no messing about with it. Like you, you see the attacks even with an invisible figure there. And there's the part of it where it was obviously some makeup guy said, or like some effects guy said, "Oh, well, we can we can make someone get raped by the invisible man." Probably not the the be all and end all of a fucking film. Mm. And you know, and but like I say, I think it's and I think it's just a subject that if you're going to use it, don't be a fucking moron. You know, if I've there been... are people, there are people who put it, it, it might be, and I'm and like I say, I mean, if it's you know, there are different things. There's crime dramas and things, and I don't even necessarily mean the depiction of it on screen, but the implication of it. Mm. even it's like there's so many sort of like a lot of the early 2000s haunting movies it was always like oh so why is the why is this person haunting the thing it's because her dad molested her and you're like really i've sat through an hour and a half of this and just that's that's your resolution to it it's a bit fucking Ugh. i've been also it's a bit sort of like your film's not good enough that this is a revelation or this is a meaningful use of it in in many ways and it's like you're just trivializing it yeah and well, that, i've been I saying is... exactly the same thing for 100 episodes now so uh i don't think i have to vote on this one i think you all know why Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and where do you stand chris bearing in mind that you did imply that me not wanting to put premature burial in meant that I was really into it. Yeah. Not that I'm manipulating the situation I'm, in any way. I'm trying to think but so I'm trying to think of films I've seen where it's in to try and imagine it done badly or done well. And obviously the way you've portrayed it, it's hard to imagine it done very well. Um but I'm sure it must be a sort of I integral mean, in a way that's Clockwork Orange is the obvious one that uh, yeah I didn't like it in that. No, see? Yeah. See, and I think this is mm. I think this is the thing is it's at what I think it's it's pretty much is the same way of like mm. people knowing at what point to fucking turn away. Mm. Or 
But also, if you're just doing it to be edgy, you're a fucking infantile prick, basically. So, well, I mean, so take take Clockwork Orange though, because I did like the film, but absolutely, and I had forgotten it. Was I like the film, the, but I still think yeah, that but the that scene are, is the, horrible. The, the rape sequence is gratuitous and unpleasant, but for the point of view that you are not meant to like the protagonists it's kind of yeah. and it's a, oh, and it's adapted from the book where it's basically presented as it's like this is the full gamut of what these people do yeah but but that sounds like you're suggesting it should be in there then no but this is no but this is the point is i don't i how am i going to put it it doesn't have to I, be that gratuitous like mm. you don't yeah have to, uh, it could like you say it could be it doesn't necessarily spoil a movie for me, but I will sit there and just go, well, that's a bit fucking much. Yeah. You know. See, I didn't like the movie, but that film mm. specifically is the reason I won't watch it. And I just, yeah, I, I, I'm the same as you. I think if you really need it in your film, then suggest it or imply it. I don't ever need to see it. Ever. I suppose it, it was integral to that because they had to then try and use those techniques to... To sort of castrate him, was it? Was he chemically castrated? I think it's. I think. I think that's the point. Certainly in the book, is that it's meant to be that you've got to. You put this character in who is utterly irredeemable, Mm. so that that justifies why they're trying to exert. Yeah. Mm. And actually, the weird thing is, is that there's the end chapter of A Clockwork Orange never gets filmed because it's not in the American edition of the book. Is at the end of it, he becomes cured, at, like of the processing, and he can go. And, you know, he sees it as a glorious thing that he is free again. He can go and do what he wants, mm. however monstrous. And then in the final part of the book, it's basically him growing, like getting older, and sort of like beginning to regret what he's done, and mm. sort of like beginning to understand what you know, what wrongs he has done mm. and wanting to change and wanting to not be like that, which is arguably, the point, which again is arguably the point of the book is because it's basically yeah. like, well, you can do this mechanically, but that is not giving someone their free will. Yeah. But then equally it's like, yeah, but just hang the cunt. It's, you know, it's dependent on, it's dependent on your value system. But I don't, th- I, not only that, but also I, I'm specifically thinking in terms of horror. Basically, I think that if you have a fantastical element to something, or essentially it's the same as like watching Yorotsukodo Legend of the Overfiend, where it's like, I grew up watching Mask and Transformers, and suddenly, Dentical Rape. And you're like, what the fuck's going on here? This is a cartoon. Can't be doing it. And similarly, I think it's a, I think it's an issue within, certainly with anything that is tinged by the supernatural or fantasy or things like that, to then add something so concrete and so real world. And, oh yes, that's true. Claire has just pointed out to me, for example, in Mandy, a man's ravaged bum appears and a bit later on, there's a guy with a knife for a cock. Now, 
We know what's gone on there. But you don't but you didn't actually have to see it happen. Similarly, yeah. in Seven, we yeah. know the implications of the knife dildo. And whether it, regardless of its pleasantries or whatever like that, I think it just doesn't... Um, I just don't think that... I genuinely don't think there's much justification in fantasy or for essentially escapism for what is a genuine real-world horror that can only either excite the wrong people or upset or trigger the wrong people. I don't want to get into that whole sort of yeah, I don't censorious think debate. Don't think I just mean I don't so. want to fucking see it. Yeah, no, I'm 100%, 150% behind you there. And I, in fact, I'm sick of fucking talking about it, so... Yeah, sorry, Chris. like I say, I do apologise for getting heavy. Should have gone with jump right. scares, but there we go. <laughs> yeah. I, I was expecting jump scares. Um, well, I, well, I, you know, I'm certainly going to agree, um, but I just hope that your your fourth one, we have an opportunity to to defend it. Well, we'll give it, we'll give it a whirl. But anyway, so I'm very pleased to see that gratuitous use of rape and sexual assault as a trope within the horror genre goes into room 101 so lee keep it light um you know obviously it's been a it's been a, a party atmosphere up until this point. yeah i'm so glad i'm not drinking this week um, <laughs> uh so mine is one that it, it's it's been used in a film that we mentioned previously it was in halloween um i think it was used well there Unfortunately, I think that seeded it as something that has been in almost every killer film ever since um, to the point where I'm sick of it and I wish someone just for once would not do it, um, which is the killer's dead, the final girl turns away and then he isn't quite dead and he gets up again. I'm just so, like, how many times does it have to happen? And the oh, thing no. is... And it, it, it gets to the point where it's no longer a surprise when he gets up again, because he always gets up again. And I've got no sympathy for the final girl, because it's like, this isn't the time to be saving bullets. If he's on the floor and he's unconscious, just drop something on his head. Don't turn around and sit down and think it's probably going to be all right. Make sure there's nothing left of him. Always. Exactly what always I thought. Gonna get up. Exactly what I thought watching Halloween as well. Just, just drop something on his head, smash his fucking head to part. <laughs> like they would, they would come back and find me like with like a raspberry tart, yeah, the fucking thing. Because I would have just bashed his fucking brains out. Just in I'd, case. Been, I'd drag him outside. I'd drive me car backwards and forwards over his head for twenty minutes to be absolutely certain he's dead. I wouldn't just go. Well, I stabbed him with a coat hanger and he survived. Then I stabbed him with a knife and he survived. But then he tripped over the sofa, so I think he's definitely dead this time. No, cut his head off. Don't risk it. it. You've got a knife. It's definitely also a thing where you start losing sympathy with the character when it is like the second time they come back from the dead and you've not fucking made sure. It's kind of on you at that point. Or or you're not watching the fucking body. (laughs) You know, don't sort of like, oh, I I can't look at that corpse. Yeah, I can. I'll sit there all fucking night with matchsticks, mate. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, Chris, where do you stand on the... the... So so you mentioned Halloween. What else did you mention? 
oh, they just do it in everything. It's just it's become such a mm. a lot of the fr- the but, Friday the Thirteenth movies, the Halloween. Mm, okay. movies, well, all did them later on. Yeah, um, but so because I guess uh, you know perhaps early on that might have been reasonable, but it seems like we've seen so many, you know, uh, so many different movies in different places where you'd think they would learn now. Yeah. But yeah, whereas, I mean, I wonder the first film that did that, what what was, any ideas? I think Halloween might have been the first been one. The first, yeah. Been. So you'd, you'd have to forgive that one then, I suppose. I suppose it also has, it has literary precedents and things like that, people coming back from the dead and mm. things like that. So it's just, yeah. But, but, that, but that, you know, in Halloween, she has no idea that he's got any supernatural powers. Well, he's not meant to bloody have. He's just meant to yeah. be hard as arses. Mm. Yeah. So, but he, um, yeah. no, I think I, certainly from my point of view, I think I have to agree just because I was doing exactly the same watching Halloween. I was like, right, stamp on his head. You know, chop his head off, cut him into little bits, post him to the Netherlands. You know, just get get gone. Do something, yeah. Don't just think it's probably going to be all right this time after he's already got up twice. I just, yeah. I say, and like, if it was in one film, it'd be fine. But it's got to the put like the hatchet. Mm. You can't have a film. And as much as I love the films, it does get to the point where it's like, all right, well, he obviously isn't dead because they're never dead the first time ever. It's never the first time that they die. It's definitely, and not only that, it's definitely a slasher trope, but even even stuff like, say, The Terminator. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, we've covered him in that. Oh, he's got out of that. Oh, we've burnt him alive. Oh, his skeleton's still walking towards us. You know, it's that same sort of thing where you're like, I mean, Terminator is a different case because A, it's brilliant, and also B, that's the point that it is a relentless machine. But yeah, when it's just a human that should. Yeah. Like, I was was actually sitting there and I'd said that I would have stabbed Michael Myers in both eyes. That would have been, as soon as he's on the ground, that's that's part one. Yeah. So even if he does get up, yeah, he's not finding me. I'll get your dog in a stick, mate. You can t- try and find <laughs> me. I'll be up the road. I tell you. <laughs> and that was a party political broadcast on behalf of Geese. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my uh, my worst trope, as I say, just because it's, it gets mm. to the point where it's no longer a surprise now, and I just expect it. It's more of a surprise if they don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, 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 certainly I'm swaying in your presence, Lee. Yeah, yes. okay, I'll I'll go for it too. Although I, I can't think of that many films that I've seen where it's happened yet, but that might be because I've not seen that many slashers. I'll lend you a whole stack of them. Yeah, <laughs> that this could why you know I don't rush to watch them. <laughs> Loads of. See, I, I feel quite good that we've obviously steered you clear of like. Well, yeah. Certainly, stuff that me and me and Lee are like sort of like. Oh, I don't want to fucking watch that. <laughs> Which, you know, so we, we've we've steered you on a path of like brutality. more interesting. Yeah stuff should we say i think well there we go that is uh carried unanimously uh we are sending the killers not quite dead into room 101 last category gentlemen's um and this one we we sort of expanded out didn't we we said because it doesn't necessarily have to be a horror film um (laughs) and it's worst cinema experience now i'll admit 
my first choice was because it was my worst cinema experience until it became one of my best cinema experiences. Mm. Um, it's not sexual, Chris. Um, <laughs> you, you did but, you did make it sound rather like it was wonderful as it as it came out of my mouth, which yeah. is exactly what I said at the time. Um, <laughs> it it sort of sounds a bit. What could um, possibly have any, happened there? Yes. But um, no, the one, the worst that became great, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, which was uh, uh, I went to see The Prestige with uh, former guest Dean and uh, uh, Dean and Lee's mum and dad. And there were a group of teenagers just chatting on their phones, not understanding what was going on and voicing it quite loudly. And um, basically, yeah, so we're watching uh, Christopher Nolan's The Prestige, which is quite in, you know, you need to be, Watching it is not a casual watch. Um, yeah, so about the first half hour that was going on, and then not all heroes wear capes. And that <laughs> day, uh, Doctor Dean, God love him, he said he got up to use the lab to go to the lavatory. He paused by this group of teenagers on his way and said, "Right, I'm going outside to fill up this cup full of piss." If I hear another word out of you during this film, I'm going to come back and dump it all over you. <laughs> they sat in monastic silence, apart from when they heard the door go, and they went, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. <laughs> he waved his drink at them that he'd just bought, implying that it was a, a cup full of piss. And, uh, yeah, we got to enjoy the prestige in, uh, in abject silence. It was brilliant. <laughs> So that one isn't my worst cinema experience because, like I say, it just turned into an amazing anecdote and uh, quite a lot of fun, really, to be on the winning side for once. Um, so I'm going to have to say that my worst cinema experience was I went to see The Flintstones. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. And that is literally it. That's just an hour and a half or two hours that I ain't getting fucking back. And it was shit. Is that the John Goodman one? Yeah. John Goodman, Rick Moranis as Barney Rubble. Mm -hmm. who, who, who put that one together? Who knows? But um, yeah, and it's, you know, there's, there's good actors in it and everything else like that. But And it was also just one of those ones where it was like, you're all like school holidays and you're all stuck. And it's like, well, as we go to a movie there. And then you're debating between a few others and the, the democratic reaction is that we go and see the fucking Flintstones. <laughs> And you go because you go because it's company, and then you realise, oh yeah, we are actually just going to sit in silence. <laughs> so you know, I could have saved myself the bus fare, and you know, that's two hours I could have spent waxing my arsehole or picking nettles out of my feet <laughs> or something. You know, anything but watching the Flintstones. Blinding Michael Myers. I could have been doing all of these things <laughs> instead. I'm sitting there watching what is. A, turgid mess of shit so there you go that's my one <laughs> um i did not watch that movie because i could tell even from the trailer it was exactly that so the fact that i didn't even go and see it i i don't feel i've got a leg to stand on to disagree with someone <laughs> who's in a more knowledgeable position than i am really thank you and chris well, you looked suitably disgusted by the whole situation, so oh, it's... Can someone quickly Google, when did it come out? Because... I'm on it. I, I, like, I do remember it. I remember... 
But yeah, I'm just I'm just intrigued to find out what date it came out on, just because it's clearly still pissed me off <laughs> these years later. Is that but it was like my go-to of like oh, the best cinema experience. Mm. Well, I saw that drivel. 1994, and you're still upset now. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that, that tells you all you need to know, really, doesn't it? <laughs> so, can I count on your votes in the forthcoming erection? <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Carried unanimously. I'm putting me going, me wasting my time going to see the fucking Flintstones in room 101. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, I'm intrigued. Well, as you might know, I'm not a huge cinema goer. I have seen Are you quite spelt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have seen a few in my time, uh, quite a few years ago. I don't remember many terrible experiences. I, I think I would possibly go for Attack of the Clones because I really did not like the interaction between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. But I don't actually remember thinking that at the time necessarily. This might have been afterwards when I had come down from the high of it being another Star Wars movie and then I saw the truth of it. But So I'm going to go for, if I was going to go to the cinema and watch a horror film, I know what film I would hate to see in the cinema. (laughs) It would be The Mummy with Thomas Cruise from 2017. It would be the worst film and I would scream. I would scream at how bad this film was and I would storm out and I've I've never even considered walking out quietly, let alone storming out. <laughs> That's how bad that film would be in the cinema. You've, you've reminded me of two things there, Chris. When I saw Attack of the Clones, the weirdest thing was is that they'd they'd fucked up the sound. So it started off, and it was like the, they didn't have any sound whatsoever. So it just opened no. up That's, silence that's with possibly the an improvement. And then Star Wars came up, and then the crawl, and it was like, oh my god, what <laughs> fucking this is going to make Empire Strikes Back look like. Fucking nodding. This is, <laughs> you know, this is going to be. They've done it quiet. You know, this is going to be bleak and serious. And, and then this battle started, and we were like, "Oh no, they just haven't put the sound on that but And then someone just <laughs> ran out, and like, suddenly, <laughs> then we're in the film. So, if only I'd had that experience. Yeah. The other, the other thing you've reminded me of with people walking out is I do remember going to see the film Killing Zoe, and there was it was me. Um, Sarah and like I think one other person was in the city, possibly possibly couple another couple or whatever like that, like a couple of people. But there was one guy right down the front. First twenty minutes, there's a sex scene. He left after that. That's what he'd come <laughs> for, and possibly genuinely, that's what he'd come for. So yeah, so. There you go. I don't think you should be too worried, Chris, unless unless people did then think, you know, you walked you walked out of the mummy halfway through, and I'm like, well, he got what he came for, didn't he? <laughs> Bashed one out the cruise, and then on his way. <laughs> well, uh, Lee, did you go and see the mummy at the cinema? 
No, I didn't. No. Oh, right. no if if only say, you had. Did you, find, did you find it any any more annoying of an experience in in the? It would have been so badly. You would have hated it. Oh. Well, that's, like at least watching it at home, I, I just you know, as I've said before, I I didn't like the film. It wasn't. Um, but at least at home, when it was boring, I was like, oh, I can just pause it and go and get another beer and do something for ten minutes and then come back to it and kind of reset. Yeah. Whereas seeing it at the cinema, when you're in that. It'd be like being stuck underground. Oh, you couldn't get out. <laughs> With Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah, no, that's improving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, dear. Well, you've tickled me there, Chris, so that's definitely going in from my... Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, okay. Right, there of course, we go. I did Chris, totally make it up, so Chris, does that still go in? Chris... In another timeline, actually going and seeing in, in, in a parallel universe, Chris going and seeing uh, the mummy uh, goes into <laughs> I've just realized I've started doing the voice while I'm using the voice changer, so now it's getting just incomprehensible because I've <laughs> so right. So, Lee, to yes. finish us off. As indeed that man who went to see Killing Zoe would like. What's <laughs> <laughs> your worst cinema experience? Uh, so my worst cinema experience, again, a bit like my worst film, is one that I went into so excited. Um, uh, Chris was there, actually. Um, so I went to see... So I, I've been to see Rise of the Skywalker. Oh. I knew it was very divisive. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I... Mm. I really enjoyed it and I wanted to go back and watch it again so much so that I decided to splurge um, and go to the Empire Cinema and do their uh, 4DX experience um, which is the moving chairs and the lights and, and the, the water whole... and some more water oh, and a bit more yeah, water the real, the real <laughs> immersive one yeah yeah um, and I made it a about 50 minutes into the film, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got up and left. Um, you did. I was, I was slightly worried. I wasn't too worried. I was did fine. you follow I was... him at all, Chris, or did you watch the film? I, I considered it. I thought, oh, is he, is he really in trouble or something? Mm, probably I was, not. I was, well, I'd already turned, because Jennifer was there as well, and I turned to Jennifer and I said, yeah, I think I've had enough of this and I'm off. Even that film couldn't hold me in there. Um, I'm sure it works for some people. I'm sure it does. Um, but I might be one of those people. Yeah, well, what I was expecting was in, like, the flying scenes and things for the seat to move and jostle mm. around. What I didn't expect was every time the camera changed angle for the seat to whip around like I was on a fucking waltzer. Um, <laughs> and every time, like, every time they walked over a hill and you looked down, the seat pitched forward like it was trying to throw you into the row in front. So that I was like, well, this like if if you used it sparingly, it'd be brilliant. But because they used it all the time, yeah. To be fair though, like the people making it for for Star Wars, are they going to use it sparingly? That would be so difficult. You'd be like, yeah. we got to put something else in. But no, I think that is a fair point to make though. I'd um, like but, to, but one, I'd like to one, see what they did with the really sedate film. Yeah, or just versus Kramer or something like that. Right, right, one one effect, one effect that I hadn't expected, and I was quite surprised at it. Although it becomes very obvious, is that when it's 
a realization happening that the seat just gently almost imperceptibly moves forward so it's like you're moving into the realization with them and i could kind of see that it, I, I found it interesting probably because i hadn't expected it and it kind of worked but uh, yeah i can imagine it, it becomes very obvious so like there's no way i've rushed to go back to another 4d experience mm. however I, I didn't walk out Oh, the other thing, is, so it, it gave me, so the reason I walked out is because it genuinely, well, partially because it started giving me motion sickness. Well, that's that's not that going to be much fun. The next thing is every time it went to the Sith planet and there was lightning, one of the things is they have, a, they have mm, strokes yeah. in, the, in the auditorium. But all that does is it means every time there's lightning on the screen. You can't see what's going on. Yeah, you're looking at everybody else watching the film. Yeah. What's going on in the film? And I was like, this is just bringing me out of it. And then the, the final step, which nobody told me is, there's what I can only call the child kicker in the back of the seat. Oh, it, which, it hits you. Yeah. It hits you in the back <laughs> during the film. And it does it to different pressures. But it was the point where... Ray uses the force and sends someone away and they mm. land on their back. And it literally felt like a 20 stone bloke yeah. in the me had just kicked me in the back. And I was like, right, I'm a ghost. I'm yeah. slightly motion sickness. I, I just, I don't need this. And Turn I can't around just and deck an eight-year-old because you're not <laughs> kicking. And I can't see what the Emperor's doing because every time we can see him, I'm just watching all these pricks eating popcorn because you just keep turning the house lights on. And I was like, I added up paying extra 20 quid for this. What a mob. Um, yeah, so I'm not doing that again. So 4DX is an absolute shit show. So I won't be doing that. So, Chris. Uh... Well, so I obviously had a rather opposite experience in that I could completely understand how you could be annoyed by it, but just trying to appreciate it for the experience it was. And I probably wouldn't rush back to do it again. It definitely left a a strong, unique memory uh, in addition to that film. So I'd already seen the film as well. Um, so that's why I thought, well, it'd be interesting to see the difference and see what does it bring to it. So I think I was watching it from a, uh, just trying to appreciate the technology perspective rather than, I wasn't too bothered by the negatives of it. Mm. Um, so I would like to see it used. Um, and yeah, probably without other people around, I think that would be better. So you could imagine a kind of VR experience where it's also got some added realism. But yeah, whether I would actually really want to watch, like, I can't imagine wanting to watch all films like it. Yeah. Just occasionally, it's it's a bit different, I suppose. I just um, thought, as you probably say... Probably not worth the money, though, to no, be fair. If, if it was a film I hadn't seen, it would have totally taken me out of it. But because, yeah, hey, because yeah. it was a film I'd already seen, I was like, I want to go in and mm. I want to experience this, so this would be the perfect movie for it. Mm. And it just it just spoiled and what I, I thought was a good film. I think, I think it was a good point that you sparingly, I think that would have been better. So I, I quite liked it sometimes when the, the laser shots, it had a little blow of air. Yeah. So oh, I, I, I could like, see I like the water. Yeah, yeah, no points. The water was good. Yeah, I did get quite splashed. It seemed at one point, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. But you know, when it when it, they were fighting in the water, it's like, okay, yeah, that fits. That's mm. quite realistic. So I, I don't know. I'd, it'd be interesting to see it used differently. I because I enjoyed that one experience. I 
wouldn't at that point put it in room 101 because I would want to see it tried more before totally getting rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I th I think I think if if the decision turns to me, I think I'm going to put it in because I know Lee's love of Star Wars and I also think quite rightly that Star Wars is probably the type of film that if you're going to do this with, like have this sort of stuff going on with the film, Star Wars is a perfect one to trial it with. Just, so, just to add a little bit to that, I, I imagined it is possibly better for younger people. I would... It's so for kids' it is, films, it's kind of almost maybe. like a ride, I suppose. Yeah, that's exactly. Like that. So yeah, that's what I imagined and thought. It's it's aim is. I went in thinking the same. I was like, this is mm. going to be. Like, I've never been, but I was like, this is going to be a Universal ride or a Disney. That mm. was what I was expecting. Like, it's not about watching the film; it's about the experience. But yeah, but it just... that might be. It's too long for to do that for the whole film. Whereas if it was like a twenty-minute experience. Possibly it's better. That's, yeah. that's a good point, actually. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't My... have had time to feel sick. And yeah, I exactly. Time yeah. To get annoyed about Too annoyed. Yeah. In the back. <laughs> yeah. That's 40 minutes. By the end, it is like, <laughs> I'm sick of fighting whoever's in the seat behind me. I just, mm. it, it, at first, I didn't know it did it. And I genuinely looked back and was like, how is there nobody sitting behind me? Somebody's definitely kicking me. Hmm. Because I was going to go back and turn around and they, do things, you know. They should they should probably let you turn off the effects that you hate, so that you could be like, yeah, I love those ones. That, you know, that might add yeah. a little. So just a little bit of spray throughout and a couple of bits, you know. Can, what like do it like a car wash? Do you want the super wash, the ultra <laughs> yeah. super wash, or the super duper? Actually, wash I think they might. Actually, mats. I think you can turn some of it off. Oh, I don't. Do you know the thing is? Do you know what? It, all, all I kept thinking of that kept making me laugh was Kentucky Fried Movie. It was and <laughs> that is what I need. I just kept waiting for a bloke standing behind me to slap me in the face and then kiss me on the other side. It just, yeah. <laughs> well, I could imagine Adam. You probably would hate it as well. I'm not. I'm not great on rides. Full stop. Mm, okay. Although interestingly, interestingly enough, this it has also brought to mind. Many fucking years ago, I would have been about ten. Um, there was a Doctor Who exhibition at a place called Space Adventure in uh, London, and basically they, like my dad said, well, it was my birthday coming up or whatever, and it was like, I will take you to the Doctor Who exhibition because he was trying to find. It was like a specific, uh, like it was like a toy that he was trying to get hold of, which was like. Doctor Who action figures, which were really a bastard to get hold of. And he found this place where they were doing it in the gift shop. And they said, and he rang them up and like placed an order. And they said, well, actually, you know, there's an exhibition. And my dad was like, oh, well, I'll take you down and everything else like that. What he didn't realise is that Space Adventure was a fucking flight simulator. Mm. My dad had unbelievable vertigo. <laughs> and like, you know, proper... Yeah. You know, and yeah, so we go into this thing, and essentially, it's like screens come up. It looked not unlike Red Dwarf. That's the sort of level of effects mm. that, and like model shots and everything. So it's pretty damn good. And basically, it was 
you fly into space, you're in a meteorite shower, something else happens and so on and so forth. So we're sitting there. My dad said that his first problem was when he realised there were seatbelts. And then <laughs> he thought, maybe this is going to be a bit... And, uh, yeah, at one point... Now, I'm, I'm oblivious to this. I'm 10. I don't know that my dad's having severe, <laughs> like, panic with this. And he went... And he suddenly sort of nudged me. And he was just going... And this is, like, in the middle of all this stuff going off and, like, big effects. Mm. Bam, bam, bam. Meteorite alert, meteorite alert. And all this stuff. And my dad just goes... I'm, I'm just going to get up and tell the bloke that you feel sick and you're going to have to get off. And I was like, <laughs> but don't, I'm, I'm right there. It was like, yeah, you are, but I'm fucking not. And <laughs> bless him, he couldn't bring himself to just, so he's like, I'm going to have to yeah. send you off. And then apparently I pulled out of my like coat pocket a rooms bag that would have contained like a, a, like a book or whatever like that. Hand it to him and just went, well, go in that. <laughs> and um, but bless his heart, he just he stuck with it because I think oh. it was one of those it was one of those wonderful moments where it's like, yes, I feel like my heart is punching its way out of my chest, but I don't want to look a prat. <laughs> so <laughs> we've all been there. Yeah. So and I think, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say because I think also it's Star Wars, and for it to affect Lee, and like you say, I think you made the wise decision where it's like, this is going to be a two-hour fucking film. If I haven't enjoyed this now, yeah, where am I going to be in two hours? So I'm going to say Lee going to see Star Wars at the amazing, super-duper, scary, interactive, immersive experience is going into Room 101. <laughs> ah! And there we are, gentlemen. We have completed our Room 101. And uh, I have been keeping tabs. Lee, you've got all four of your items into Room 101. And myself and Chris have got three. So Congratulations, I, Lee. I, I declare Lee the winner. I don't know what you win. Win a year's supply of oxygen, you know. <laughs> a trip, trip to a 5D cinema. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the shame dash when they the come out. Twenty hour version. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, hopefully people are still listening and they've enjoyed our little divergence for one episode. But uh, I shall now hand back to your your standard host Lee, and uh, he can fill you in on what's happening next episode. I will just leave you with one last. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. I, when you suggested it, I was like, that's a great idea for something just totally different and off the wall. Um, yeah, and I didn't know if it was going to be one of those that didn't really like play out time-wise or whatever, but that was so much fun. Um, yeah, and we've mm. been waffling for about two hours now. So. Well, I hope, I hope it's been fun for everyone listening, certainly. Yeah. And uh, if you did have fun, well done. And if you didn't, remember it was Claire's idea. <laughs> Claire can do no wrong in all of our eyes. Oh, that is very true. Um, so to try and uh, wrap it up, so that you lovely people can get back to whatever else you're doing with the rest of your lives, um, we will be back next week um, for the often mentioned. Um, it's it's been mentioned an awful lot in the last few episodes, um, and Adam and I have just 
treated ourselves to the Arrow release, so it'd be rude not to watch it. Um, so we are going to be covering The Curse of the Crimson Altar, finally. Yes. Um, and I have to mention Jennifer's Halloween costume. Yes. Yes. yes, Jennifer went as Lavinia Morley from The Curse. I've never been more proud than when I said to her, what are you doing for your outfit? And she said, I think I'm going to go as Lavinia Morley. And I was like, I've never felt this proud of anybody in my life. I was just <laughs> absolutely amazed. Um, yeah, and it, it's funny. She she had all the parts for the outfit, and she'd kind of made them all individually. So she had the horns, and she had the headdress, and she'd made the kind of hat that it was all going to be attached to, and the, the bird's head and the gems. But it was all separate. And half an hour before we were supposed to start, the, it was a virtual party for those listening. Obviously, we weren't breaking the rules. Um, it was still all in pieces in separate rooms. And I was going to Jennifer, there is no way on earth you're <laughs> going to pull this together. She was like, go and get yourself a drink, go and get the Zoom set up, and I will be in in time. And she came in and just absolutely <laughs> nailed it. I mean, so, fucking hell, uh, that, that has just shocked me. I assumed that had been weeks of work on the headdress yeah so she'd made it all in papier-mâché bits but what she said is once i put it on and attach it all it's that i can't then remove it in one piece mm -hmm. so it's going to have to be assembled on the night and if it doesn't work there's nothing i can do because i can't put it on and then disassemble it because it's going to come apart in disassembling mm -hmm. it so it's going to be a one-time thing and i was like that's a massive risk. I mean, don't get me fifteen of our mates, and um, we were just having a piss up and a bit of a fun quiz. But um, yeah, but yeah, balls are still that woman. Mm. <laughs> massive lady nuts. Um, yes. So, of course, I had no idea who she was, even though it looked great. <laughs> well, well, you will. You, you, you will oh, appreciate. Wow. Come next episode, Chris. You will appreciate yeah. what a brilliant job she did. <laughs> um. So thanks ever so much uh, for indulging us this evening. We hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. It's been great fun. Um, and go and check out Curse of the Crimson Altar. Don't forget to go and listen to the Not For Everyone podcast. Um, go and listen to our 100 previous episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and we will see you next week for Curse of the Crimson Altar. Thanks again for the idea, Claire. Night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I waved again. <laughs>